Welcome to Next Level Commerce, a Freedom Pay podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Next Level Commerce, a Freedom Pay podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. As you're listening along to today's episode of the podcast, I want to make sure you're getting all the Freedom Pay content you want. So make sure that you're subscribing to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you just look up Freedom Pay or Next Level Commerce, you'll find our podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And then you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new episodes. You can also go to our website, freedompay.com, for more information about our solutions and services and, of course, more episodes of the podcast and more pieces of Freedom Pay content. So like we've done on the previous few episodes, we're going to be intersecting these conversations with our upcoming Freedom Pay Live Roundtable. So coming up later in October on the 29th, 2 p.m. Central, we're going to be having a Freedom Pay Live Roundtable on retail's economic recovery. And as we get closer to that blend of thought leadership and perspectives, we wanted to give our podcast audience a taste of what these conversations will focus on, and why analyzing retail's response to COVID is so critical for the industry moving forward. So on this episode of Next Level Commerce, we're sitting down with Jack Hogan. He's the Director of Strategic Partnerships with Mashgen, which is a company that's on a mission to create a frictionless checkout experience for all industries using advanced computer vision. So it's hard to avoid how much COVID has changed the customer shopping experience. What was once commonplace or uncritiqued, like using a public touchpad or passing through the checkout line, is now a center of change for most brick-and-mortar operations. Touchless technology deployment has been accelerated under COVID, and that's what we're focusing on today. Both how this spread of touchless tech is manifesting across sectors, but also how artificial intelligence, how AI can support touchless solutions at scale. So again, we're on with Jack Hogan, Director of Strategic Partnerships with Mashgen. Jack, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you doing, Daniel? Doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure getting to source you on uh, this conversation today, leading up to uh, your appearance on our panel. That's going to be happening here later in October. So Let's jump right into it and give you a chance to share more of the perspectives you're going to be bringing to that panel. Can you start by giving us a detailed overview of Mashgen as a project and as a product line, and what your mission is and how you're aiming to solve said mission? Yeah, absolutely. So anyone who wants to take a look at what we do, you can just pop over to our website, mashgen.com. And when you hop on there, you'll probably see our product, which appears kind of like a standardized checkout kiosk where you're able to put down any item you want on the base and have the computer vision identify it. The way I usually explain this to folks when we start off a conversation is uh, we use a similar technology to that of self-driving cars. You know, they've been billions and billions of dollars dumped into this self-driving car industry over the years. Uh, and they're still having trouble solving the problem of a plastic bag fluttering around on the freeway, right? Should it break? Should you drive through the bag? All of these things are problems of using AI in a completely unbounded world. 
So what Mashin, what we did was we took the same technology and applied it to about a three by two foot square. And just about anything you put in this three by two foot square, our computer vision can identify. So that was the initiation and how we built the product. We launched very successfully in the cafe industry, including like business dining cafeterias, hospital cafes, um, and of course, our big wins in the sports stadium space. And as coronavirus sort of changed the course of human history and the course of things, the way things are going in this country, we were able to pivot as well into the convenience store space. And uh, we've been doing a lot of work with HMS Host in the airport space. They're going to be our friends on this panel later in the month. Now, your background is also really uh, detailed and very focused on AI as a tool and as a use case. You've built and scaled companies across the spectrum of AI use cases, including a company using AI to increase diversity and inclusion in the technology field. So can you share some of the previous work that you've done with AI and tell us what the main takeaways were from those projects? What did you learn about the power, scalability, feasibility, et cetera, of AI as a tool? Yeah, absolutely. So previously at a company called Buzz Hero, we built a software platform that helped uh, develop race and gender blind technical interviewing. So as you know, there's uh, an old study that was done of people in orchestras, right? So orchestras were about 90% male and they converted over to doing all of the interviews behind a blinded platform, right? Behind a screen because an orchestra, much like coding, you don't actually need to see the person's face. All you need to do is listen to the output, right? If you're listening to the output of a violinist, it doesn't matter whether they're male or female. So with the advent of this new strategy on blind interviewing for orchestras, they were able to balance out those orchestras in about 15 to 20 years. They made it so they're almost 50-50 split now in a situation that was once 90-10 male to female. So that was kind of the idea point behind the recruiting software that we were building. We thought, well, since coding is a very output-based strategy, we could pretty easily develop some technology that allows people to get jobs, not based on their resume, but based explicitly on their skills. So the, the tagline we came up with there was uh, higher skills, not labels, because a resume is essentially just a group of labels thrown together on a piece of paper. It doesn't really explain the full skill set. So uh, the AI component of that came in with the grading and the analytics on every exam that we gave. And we were able to see a lot of hiring done through our platform based on this blind interview process. I think we had hundreds of people hired through the platform over the course of about three years. And we then, as, uh, as we were winding down with some of the ideas there, we actually helped launch a nonprofit, which helped people on the autism spectrum get jobs at technology companies. And the, the curriculum and goal of the thing that they were studying to get those jobs was in data analytics and uh, AI. So through that, we were able to close some larger partnerships with Symantec and we worked with Visa as well as some other larger corporate providers. And that was probably the most rewarding uh, business I've ever worked in, right? You're helping people who have extremely high level of intelligence, but they are the epitome of higher skills, not labels. Uh, for a person on the spectrum, jumping on a cell phone call 
to do an interview with a recruiter is the most stressful thing that they could possibly think of. Whereas if you help someone say, show their skills off by completing a project, an analytics project, and then showing said project to a hiring manager, that person will get the job versus the first initial phone screen, which is probably the hardest thing for anyone who may be on the spectrum to execute. So when you think about these two businesses, the, the way that we used AI to actually scale them was uh, along the grading process. So folks that would take our blind interview assessment, we would run that through our system of basically machine learning and analytics to push out the score. That way that we knew the score was completely uh, without bias because we used the same scoring uh, system for everyone. This allowed us to truly produce a bias-free profile that was then given to a hiring manager. And they're able to even look at videos and see the analytics as these people were graded. That way they were able to decide who to bring on site for an interview. With respect to the Autism Advantage program, we actually made the curriculum heavily focused on AI because it's such a desirable skill set in the workforce right now. And a couple of our students who received pretty awesome job offers from top tier companies were able to parlay those skills into writing algorithms. And those algorithms saved one company over $200 million in the first year. So it's less about the application of where we were putting in the AI, more about the skill sets of the people and how we were developing them to roll into this function, which is growing explosively across the country. We did scale another company called Hire Tool, and that company was more purely focused on artificial intelligence. So essentially what that was, was another HR tech company where we developed an analytic search platform that was able to dig through all the muck on a LinkedIn or about people's profiles in general and allow recruiters to hone in specifically using our AI sourcing tool for hiring to narrow down short lists of candidates and then in an automated fashion, reach out to and contact them. So we were able to take this company from about a million in sales to 5 million in sales in about eight months. And it, it really showed the amount of steam that is being gained by any AI solution. Because once we proved that our algorithm could do one piece, which was finding candidates in a completely unstructured data set, we're able to even convert the same algorithm so that companies could use it on their own data sets and find candidates for internal mobility. So this is why you see AI companies getting valuations at 30 times rate, as opposed to the SaaS companies, which are looking more like an eight to 11 times rate. It's because once you can prove that your algorithm is effective in one area, then your venture capitalist or whoever it is that is helping to fund the company, they understand that you can easily pivot that same algorithm and have it apply to vast amounts of industries. So to bring everything full circle here back to Mastion, that's why we're, we're able to so quickly pivot from the cafeteria space through like the larger cafeteria providers like Aramark into uh, the convenience store space where we've rolled it out to about 10 different convenience store chains. Um, this was mainly driven by, you know, the COVID and touchless aspect of our product. But the fact that we had honed our algorithm in for four years in one industry made it so that it was basically bulletproof and easy, easily able to pivot into a new industry.
So if we look at the friction that comes from the checkout experience, why do you and the MashGen team believe that AI is part of the solution to reduce said friction? So AI encompasses many different aspects of our technology. Computer vision is essentially another intricate service within artificial intelligence, right? Because you're training computers to see like humans. And the reason that we see this being a key component of a frictionless experience is that people are not looking to go and stand in a checkout line with a person breathing in their face and be rung up by a cashier right now for obvious reasons. So in order to bridge that gap on items that don't have barcodes, uh, we felt that AI and computer vision was a necessary aspect to be added to this chain. For example, everyone knows about the general supermarket self-checkout experience. Uh, everyone's heard unnecessary item in the bagging area honked at them time and time again while they're searching for the number to identify a banana that they just want to put in their basket. Uh, so we feel like to make the situation where you don't have to be assisted by a human completely frictionless, AI and computer vision did need to be applied to this space. And I know everyone has been frustrated by that same uh, self-checkout within the large grocery chains. And that's actually the most common thing that we hear in the convenience stores or in our cafe spaces is why is this not at list large supermarket provider here? And oftentimes people will make the unnecessary item in the bagging area joke. So that's where we're really seeing people immediately understand why AI and computer vision is so much more effective because they're comparing it back to this other way of transacting that no one really enjoys. Let's bring COVID into the mix. Obviously, COVID is an unavoidable part of the conversation today. Uh, how have you seen the pandemic impact retailers and facility managers, store operators, et cetera, and their checkout needs? Basically, yeah. How have you seen COVID impact all of their checkout needs? Is there a huge pressure to go touchless because of COVID? Um, have you seen COVID create any other friction in the checkout process that is uh, a a little more uh, covert than the broader touchless experience or, or the broader checkout experience? Well, I can start with something unique that we've seen. M most people are just thinking about the consumer experience when they're looking to make things touchless. But one of the things that we've seen at Mashin is really trying to improve the employee experience, right? It's just as nerve wracking for the folks that work in the cafe to go stand there and execute on checkout, right? Just as they're being, as people are walking up to them and completing the process, because that one person has to stand there and check out hundreds of people in one day. So we're starting to see that the employees are more interested in having self-checkout because it allows them to, one, remove risk from their daily lives, as well as allowing them to focus on other activities, because checkout is probably one of the least rewarding activities that employees get to, get to do. So we generally see that this has started to create a little bit of a turn there because people don't want to get breathed on from either perspective. And then from a broader situation, we have really seen the advent of the urge for touchless technology, especially a touchless self-checkout. The tablet self-checkout was the uh, most popular thing at the beginning of this year. Mashin even created several different tablet options for people to use to checkout. But 
when we started with this whole coronavirus situation, the touchless checkout system that we've built that uses all the computer vision just started flying off the shelves. We were really able to make strong headway with companies that have built out platforms that allow them to expand their technology quickly. Like with HMS Host, we've been able to expand to airports across the country. We're in you know, Charlotte, Las Vegas, MCI, which is in Kansas City. And we just rolled out to Dallas Airport as well. So this shows that companies that were already investing in innovation were able to move very, very quickly from, say, the digital innovation age into the next generation, I would say, of checkout, which is your computer visions, your completely walk-in, walk-out stores. This is where we've seen coronavirus really accelerate the innovation timeline for customers that were initially just dipping their toes in the water. They have reached out to us and really embraced AI and completely touchless technologies and computer vision with open arms. I know that MassGen was... Uh, already rolling out a lot of touchless products before COVID ever became a major point of concern for brick-and-mortar operations. So can you expand a bit on how COVID basically accelerated some of the touchless adoption that you and your team were already working to promote with your product line and, yeah, expand on any of the intersections you see there? So we've actually been doing a ton of research as we've been promoting our product dramatically in the C-Store space. And we were actually running surveys of anyone and everyone who would check out with our product that was willing to spend a few seconds with us. We saw that 33.5% of people surveyed, I think the survey is about six, 700 people right now, said that a touchless option was very important to them. And 100% of people answered that they perceived that this checkout system was faster than checking out with the cashier. Needless to say, in my entire life, I've never seen 100% of people agree with anything. And the, the survey content on that one was 292 people. 100% agreed that using our system was faster. So to bring that back into how COVID influences, it's because oftentimes we see people shy away from shopping in a large big box retailer oftentimes they need to get their gas so they're able to just run inside of a c-store right and they're buying more items there as well so this is why we thought that it was a really good space for us to enter we were already entering it and starting to get a little bit of success there but coronavirus has really accelerated that because operators are so much more interested in finding new ways to not only make their stores safer make their staff safer and make their customers safer. So we think that we pretty easily help them accomplish all three things. The other key piece to look at here is that Bastion is a relatively affordable product in this computer vision space, right? You can put it into any store. It's essentially a backward compatible system. You don't have to shut down the store. You don't have to change the cameras. You don't have to change the shelves. All we have to do is bring in our equipment, do some training of the items, like, uh, for example, they have beer in Texas that we don't have here in California. So all we have to do is use our machine to teach the computer vision these additional items, and we're off and running. I say that we can launch a convenience store chain in about five days, which is pretty unheard of for this industry right now, especially using computer vision. Some other key things that can represent 
how we've grown over the years is actually three days ago, Mashin uh, passed 10 million computer vision transactions. So I can pretty confidently say that we have done more computer vision transactions than most other companies in this space. And then some other key aspects there is we've got about hundreds of these machines rolled out across the country, across hundreds of customers. So it's a pretty burgeoning space right now. And we see our growth being five to eight times that in 2021. So I know that prior to COVID, Mastion already had a presence in sporting venues, grocery stores, retail operations. Did you already have a footprint in C stores before COVID? So we we're in deep discussions with one of our partners in Texas, Delic, prior to COVID, uh, because they've always been interested in innovating and creating a new technology ecosystem within their store. We're even working with some cool stuff for them for like pay by face and things like that. But we hadn't really gone after your, say, core 10 chains, like the top 10 C store chains. And as COVID kicked off, we were able to quickly get in with several of those larger retailers. And uh, we have many, many machines launched in the field currently. Hopefully you'll see some news in the upcoming days as we announce these broader partnerships. We did have a ton of success in the sports space prior to COVID, and we're really seeing sporting venues double down on that going forward. We just did a large install for the Kansas City Chiefs. I was there helping them launch with fans in the first game of the season, which uh, was, a, was a great undertaking by them and highly successful, I would say. So we're seeing sports teams that had, say, dipped their toe in the water, getting a few mashing machines to understand more about how effective they were and how much more quickly folks can check out. Uh, now it's becoming more of a hard requirement where they're saying, all right, we need to have these available to folks across the stadiums and in multiple sections. And I'm not sure if you're a big sports fan. I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan, Daniel. So we uh, makes us very excited, especially from some of the early returns that we're seeing from our machines across many different stadiums. Like you can read the Broncos press release. We raised the amount of money they made in the same exact square footage by 40% just by implementing our machines. And that comes from people being able to get up and get their beer and get their chips and get back to their seat in record time. Normally football fans would just stay in their seat and wait till a quarter break or wait till a halftime break because the line's so long, you're gonna miss a bunch of plays. But if you know you can run up there and knock out your transaction in, say, 30 to 40 seconds and then get back to your seat, we're seeing fans more often repeat as customers the same in during the same game time and time again. So that's another aspect of this that's really going to improve going forward, especially as stadiums seek more touchless technology. Due to COVID, I know that MassGen had to do some broader outreach, like you were saying, to C-stores, which prior to COVID wasn't somewhere where uh, you had a huge footprint. But because of COVID, uh, there was a realization that this was a market that you could expand your AI solutions into. So could you uh, give us some more info on what you learned about C-stores and their checkout needs as COVID pushed your product into that side of the industry and how did this impact the vertical rollout as well as how you continue to refine the project for C-Store needs? Yeah, absolutely. So here's one place where we can sort of dig in and understand how AI technology grows, like year over year, week over week. So in the cafeteria space where we, we cut our, our teeth, 
the average cafeteria has say 600 items that may be sold there sometimes even less 300 the largest one will have say 1200 SKUs. when you take a look at the convenience store space our algorithm really needed to be tightened up right because we're advancing from say a top line of 1200 now we're doing 6000 items in a convenience store so it's actually the Mashin strategy, which was to target the cafe space first and really hone in on our product that allowed us to quickly pivot into the convenience space because our algorithm is so effective, 99% accurate or higher when identifying items that have been properly trained into the system. It made it very easy for us to push into the new space because the system was built out. It looked good and we were able to handle this large data set of items. Other companies, as they tried to pivot into the C-Store space, started to struggle when they added in five, 10,000 items into the product. So we've learned a ton of things in the last eight months here working in the C-Store space. The number one thing is how many uh, transactions include an age-restricted item, right? Most commonly cigarettes or alcohol is purchased in a C-Store with say chips and drinks. So we really had to change the focus of the product to allow for folks to be able to check out with those items. So as I mentioned, Delic before, they were their first extremely successful launch. And that's because they put the mashing unit on the counter. It was such a night and day difference when they put the machine on the counter because folks automatically know that they go to the counter to check out, right? Whereas if you put it off to the side, folks are a little bit more leery about walking over and figuring out what this new item is. So by placing it on the counter, it allowed for growth in a couple of different ways. The first way is that people obviously understand where they need to go. The second thing is that it allowed for items that were behind the counter to also be sold through the machine. So we're starting to see some, some uh, pretty strong success from like a augmented cashier perspective where there's one person behind the counter in the convenience store and they're working three lanes or two lanes using the Mastion devices. They, all they need to do is essentially check IDs and scan cigarettes on the machine. So it makes, it, it makes people significantly faster and we're able to see revenue bumps from that as well as we're able to really increase consumer satisfaction. Right, 78% of people surveyed from the survey I was talking about earlier preferred Mashin over traditional checkout. One of the other key pieces is that in the cafeteria space, you have a ton of unstructured data, right? Unstructured data being a plate of food. So we were able to solve for a, a plate of food uh, and have Mastion identify that this is the steak and eggs plate versus this is the steak and potatoes plate. So by focusing on this unstructured data for the previous five years, when it came time to pivot into the C-Store space, they have say 20 to 30 items of unstructured data, your hot dogs, your donuts, and your other roller grill items. Whereas the vast majority, say 95% of items are CPG goods. So once we were, had spent all those years tuning the algorithm up to really go after these unstructured data problems, it was actually kind of like moving to an easier problem set by going to these heavy uh, CPG item stores that are what C stores are generally known for. And in the future, we have some other 
cool innovations coming along this augmented cashier space, because we think that that's a, a real place to help this market and make sure that we still maintain all of our great employees within these locations. Now, if we look to how the retailers and the business owners are responding to said technology, do retailers, e-store operators, grocery store operators, et cetera, et cetera, do they all find this technology accessible when pitched? You know, Do they find that uh, this is something that they can take advantage of to its full potential and at scale? Uh, because I think for many, uh, even just casually, the idea of a completely touchless checkout experience, it doesn't really have a lot of uh, industry-specific uh, reference points. I mean, there's only a few major retailers that have this deployed at scale, like Amazon, for example. So when we look at a smaller uh, independent uh, operator or a smaller chain, if they're looking at touchless technology, do they find something like Mastion's product accessible and usable for them at scale? Yes, no, thoughts? You know, how, how does it usually go when pitched? Strategically, when we're showing this to customers running chains from, say, 5 to 20 stores, all the way up to some of our customers using 250 stores up to the ones that have 10,000 stores, we've seen a similar reception to the product because we've tried to price it to be accessible to anyone. And we've tried to really build out the ROI of the product based on, say, we produce, say, 2% more sales. In a convenience store, that can mean hundreds of thousands of more money coming in based on previously. So the general strategy that we see is everyone looks at the larger, completely touchless experience and thinks, oh, wow, that's incredible. I would like to have one of those stores. What we see with Mastion is they're like, oh, wow, this is very unique and it is almost backward compatible with the setup that I already have. I'd like to do this in 50 of my stores. So I think that both technologies are going to have a ton of play going forward. I'm obviously fascinated by some of the technology just walk in and out. But I do think that the Mastion's ability to be placed on the counter and not have to really change the whole dynamic of the store is huge. Also, the fact that store owners are able to completely control the item set and basically run the system themselves, right? It takes about 30 seconds to teach Mastion a new item. So C-stores are getting new SKUs all the time. Uh, people are coming in to pitch them on new products all the time. So the fact that our product is so easily maintained by operators and store managers and just general cashier employees is a really big selling point for us. And we think that that's going to help us scale in the future. And again, that circles back to how we were made it easy enough for people uh, in the cafe space to add a new dish of food every day as the special changes, right? So we were able to solve that problem before and then as we mentioned, AI is very scalable and can easily pivot. Now that same technology that we built out for adding in plates of food allows them to quickly update Red Bull in their system when they change their can, um, which happens way more often than you would expect, as we've learned over the last nine months here in the C-Store industry. So moving forward as... Uh a lot of the changes to the brick and mortar shopping landscape due to COVID are settled in and become commonplace. Uh, what do you imagine is going to continue 
to uh, shape a customer's shopping decision, right? When it's time for them to choose where they're going to go spend their dollars, what are they going to continue looking for out of their shopping experience moving forward in the context of how the retail experience has changed due to COVID? Yeah, absolutely. One of the key things that we like to press here is that there's safety in speed, right? Um, all the coronavirus task force and everything like that is always recommending you spend as little time inside around other people as possible. So the ability to get in and out in a speedy manner has always been a desire of the consumer, but I would say it's probably increased by about 10 times since the coronavirus uh, has struck the United States. The other pieces that we see that are motivating people to actually get out of their house and go to a store generally come down to wanting to avoid large crowds, right? So that's why we've seen a, a bump of the indoor shopping within a, a C store. We're also seeing in the airport space more consolidation, right? Folks are more likely to go buy all of their items from one location as opposed to, say, getting some fast food here and grabbing some uh, smaller items from a store within an airport. So those are two trends that we're starting to see. I think another interesting space to look at is as fans, right? Fan stands for fanatics. So they are not, uh, they're coming back to watch their sports teams play. So we're seeing that fans are significantly more apt to try to use our checkout system or a completely frictionless checkout system in a stadium than they were previously. And again, it comes back to the safety in speed as well as the efficiency that allows them to, you know, not miss the pass, not miss the shot, not miss uh, the touchdowns. So that's kind of where we're seeing things trend to from our perspective. When it comes to the cafeteria space, people are going back to work now and we're starting to see a lot of our factories and industry cafes really begin to pick back up. And we anticipate that as this year rolls on, many of our large corporate, say tech customers that run business dining cafes, those are also gonna be bringing people back. We see that in those spaces, they're trying to decrease the number of people in the cafe at one time, right? So we're seeing things like put in your order early and come down, grab a few items, pick up your food and then check out. Because folks, again, trying to reduce exposure, trying to make sure that time in public places is kept to a minimum. And then they're just trying to get back and eat their food in a social distance manner at their desk is one of the things that we're really seeing across industries. We've also really helped by allowing cafe hours to be extended, right? So most places that put in a mastion will now be allowed to uh, have a grab and go section that's available 24 hours. Whereas previously the cafe was only available and open to consumers during meal periods. So we've seen that this has driving generally increased revenue during non-revenue generating hours for our customers before coronavirus. And do you imagine that touchless solutions are going to become a commonplace fixture for most brick and mortar operations moving forward? Or do you see it more as a differentiator for businesses willing to invest in the technology uh, as a, something cutting edge to try to retain customers during COVID? I guess, you know, where do you see it settling in? Yeah, I think the answer is going to be yes to both going forward over the next, uh, say, five to eight years. I think that 
the folks that are getting on the train now and innovating early will have a bit of an advantage for the next two years. But I think that even the, the long tail followers will realize that computer vision and AI can help them to generate more revenue and engender more trust within the public space. Research is showing, right, as soon as there is a vaccine, we should be able to get X number of people back into uh, completing brick and mortar commerce, but it's all completely up in the air at this point. So we are hoping that little additions like adding MASH into a system will help you not only generate new customers, but retain customers because they know that the shopping experience uh, is completely safe for them. Also, everyone hates standing in line, right? You like standing in line, Daniel? Uh, it's definitely not my favorite, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'd like to think that if you can just remove lines from almost any shopping experience, then it's going to make a better fan experience, make a better consumer experience, and pull people out of their homes to go to that specific location because they know that when they get there, they won't have to wait in a line, which I'm, I'm not a fan of waiting in line either. All right, Jack, that more or less wraps up our conversation for the day, which means I want to end our podcast by looking to the Freedom Pay panel that you're going to be participating in here at the end of the month. So again, coming up on October 29th, live at 2 p.m. Central, Freedom Pay is going to be hosting an industry roundtable where you and several other industry thought leaders are going to analyze and discuss strategies for economic recovery in retail as we move into 2021 and make intersections with innovative technologies and how they might enable this recovery. So just to wrap up here, what are you most excited about for the panel and why? What's uh, what's getting you amped? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this panel uh, because we've got some of our, our great partners from Mashin on the panel. HMS host, Srini Raju is one of our one of our best thought leaders, we think, in making things more accessible to everyone within airports, right, via HMS host. Uh, we got Courtney Kelly from Freedom Pay. She rocks. Uh, she's actually helped us grow our business quite substantially over the years by using Freedom Pay's technology to introduce Mastion into all sorts of different large corporations. So I'm just excited to see and hear more about how folks in our space are innovating. And I also think that it's really about how we are honing in on innovation to bring back a sense of normalcy to people, right? If we can make things a little bit easier, a little bit less scary, right? Their safety and the speed, we can get people back in stores, back doing transactions, back bringing commerce and helping everyone recover. So I think that that's what I'm most excited about is hearing about how like Mashin's not the only technology that improves um, touchless checkout, right? There's all sorts of different technologies and many of them are gonna be featured on this panel. So. I'm interested in contributing to how we're fixing things in, in these spaces, as well as how others are innovating and increasing safety for all. If we look at the technologies we've spoken to today, everything from just sort of generalized touchless tech to more specifically the AI-powered camera solutions that Mastion is bringing to the table, how do you see some of these technologies and trends intersecting with the broader conversation that's going to be had at the panel? 
Yeah, I mean, everyone has found a different way to attack this touchless challenge, right? About five years ago, QR codes were pretty popular, but the adoption of them was pretty poor. Nowadays, you see a QR code, you just pull out your phone and aim it at it. So people have actually picked up their adoption of technology, which is making it so that companies across the spectrum can innovate on making things completely touchless. We're also seeing all sorts of mobile apps coming up, right? Bastion built a mobile app for the cafeteria space because it just became so imperative that we have something to complete the checkout ecosystem within our bread and butter space, which is the cafe space. So we've had to innovate and we're seeing everyone across the board innovate. And I think that that's where, that's where we're seeing all of the leaders of companies kind of come together pick ideas from each other and really drive the broader conversation forward for brick and mortar retail. And finally, for the retail professionals uh, or anyone in facilities management that has to deal with some kind of checkout experience for a customer, if they're listening along today and are thinking about listening to the panel later in October, what are some of the key takeaways that you hope industry professionals can get from the broader conversation on uh, retail's economic recovery and why? Yeah, wow, that's a that's a great question. So what we're going to see on this panel is you're going to see every single industry represented, right, from the food service management space to the hotels to stadiums. We have basically everything covered for you. It's going to be a one-stop shop to hear about the innovation that's taking place across the board. I think one of the main takeaways you'll hear is that companies are trying to lead the way to make not only the public safer, but you, the industry professional, safer. So I think that that will be a huge underlying theme. And hopefully from the roundtable, we can engender some confidence within this space that the economy is going to recover, that we are going to bounce back, and that AI and computer vision can help lead the way in that. All right, Jack Hogan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Next Level Commerce and looking forward to getting your thoughts on Freedom Pay's live roundtable coming up on October 29th at 2 p.m. Central. Again, we've been chatting with Jack Hogan, Director of Strategic Partnerships with Mashgen. And Jack, if folks want to find out more about the work Mashgen is doing, how can they learn more? Yeah, absolutely. You can pop over to our website, www.mashgen.com, and that's M-A-S-H-G-I-N. You can shoot me an email. My email is just jack.hogan at Mashgen. If you're looking to uh, connect, I would say that we're all there and ready to show you how our product works. Love it, Jack. Thanks so much again for your time. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciated the conversation with you today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Next Level Commerce, a Freedom Pay podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're going to our website, freedompay.com, or subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time.